Jesus, God, we sing that. We believe that you're forever good, forever faithful. Your love is so powerful and so strong. We can't even comprehend it, Lord. But help us to believe it. Even in our unbelief, help us to believe that you are good and you are in control. We trust you. Yes, Lord, we trust you. May your words speak to our hearts today. And may we leave here not the same, but changed according to your work within us. Right before Christmas, we uh, finished up Matthew 5, and then we looked at some Christmas messages, and so today we are picking up the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So there's three things here for us to consider in righteous giving, giving to the needy, being righteous with our offerings. That is, we are to give, we recognize that. And Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit would be our comforter. He would condemn us of sin he would, con he would convict us of judgment to come, so we know, but he would lead us in righteousness. And so we have the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. His assignment is to lead us to acts of righteousness. He leads us in righteousness. And so when Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteous, there is a good indicator there that if you want to have an understanding, a feeling, an awareness of the work of the Holy Spirit, recognize, understand, believe that every time you are urged, convicted, made aware that you need to give, that you need to be a giver, that you need to be giving your tithes and your offerings, that's from the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit taking God's Word, making it real in us, in, in, in making us aware of the things that we need to do and be. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's one of his assignments. The Holy Spirit makes us aware of truth, leads us to truth, leads us to righteous doing. So beware. Beware means that, that we need to be on alert. We need to be on our guard. So there is obviously... A weakness in humanity, a weakness in man, a desire in us that we will do righteous things in order to be noticed by other people. And so Jesus wants us to be aware of that. I think there are many reasons why Jesus wants us to be aware that we are not to do acts of righteousness to be seen by others. First of all, it causes division in the body. It causes one-upmanship. It causes pride. It causes ego. It, it is a, it is a, a fire to selfish ambition. 
that gets in the way of the Lord. It, it causes our pride to get out of hand. And so Jesus wants us to be givers. The Holy Spirit works in our lives for us to be givers, but we are not to be givers, endurers of righteous things so that we can be seen by other people. We are to give. Giving in the Christian life is to be a priority. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And, the, and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord. Honor is kabod. It means that there is a tremendous amount of weight in what you honor. So if you honor your father and your mother, what they say matters to you. Their advice, their, their wisdom giving means a lot to you. It has weight and you honor them. You, the people that you are, you listen to have honor in your life. You are giving them honor. If you value other people's wisdom, other people's advice, other people's counsel, you're honoring them. So we honor the Lord. We demonstrate that the Lord is most important. We demonstrate that we are God's people. We demonstrate that we truly do love him. And one of the ways that we demonstrate that we love the Lord is through giving. We honor the Lord with our wealth. If you honor the Lord, you recognize that your wealth has come from him. You recognize that he has provided. He's provided your job. He's provided the income. And so you honor him. You, you recognize that you did not work, you did not make it happen, that you worked for it, of course, but he put it in your hands. And so we as believers ought to honor the Lord with our wealth. With the first fruits of all our produces, first fruits means the best. And so when you plant your, your crop out there, you'd go through your crop and you pick out the best fruit in the crop and that would be for the Lord. You would take care of that and, and you would give the Lord your very best. That's honoring the Lord. In verse 10, he says, when you do that, when you honor the Lord with your wealth and you're going to give him the first fruits of your produce, it says your barns will be filled with plenty. You'll have enough. If when we honor the Lord with what he's given us and when he's most important to us, and we are giving the first fruits, then we got enough. We'll have enough. And your vats will be bursting with wine. So your barns will be filled with plenty. You'll have enough. Don't, may not need to build another barn. May not need to necessarily build a bigger barn. He is going to provide all that we need. There will be plenty, and our vats will be bursting with wine. So giving is to be a priority. Second thing about giving the scripture teaches us is that giving is proportionate to what God has provided. Now, all of us don't give the same amount. All of us don't give the same amount in our tithes or our offerings. Tithes would be what we give to the house of the Lord, that 10% of, our, of, of what God has provided for us. Offerings are those gifts that we give beyond that, the needs that we meet beyond that. But we, at the end of the year, when we, we don't get together and measure what everybody's given because God hasn't given us all the same. It is that what is equal in our giving is in proportion to what he's provided for us. 
But obviously the number, the bottom line, is very different. That's not important. How much we give is not as important as the fact that the heart in which we give, and we give back to the Lord. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, so that the house can live, the house can do its work, the, ha the house can carry out its responsibilities. We bring our tithe to the body of Christ, to the church, so that we can do the things God has asked us to do. He says here in Malachi 3.10, And thereby put me to the test. The Lord says, test me on this. The Lord says to us, see if, if I'm telling you the truth or not. He says, And thereby put me to test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now, we don't give to get. We don't give a certain amount so that we receive anything. I mean, we don't give because we are going to get a great return on our giving. However, the Lord says here, very clearly he says, put me to the test and see if I won't open the windows of heaven for you. Open the windows of heaven for you. Personal. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the windows of heaven open for me. The blessings of heaven, I'd love to have those windows open. How we get those windows open? The word says, by bringing our full tithe into the storehouse. Not partial, not half, not a quarter, our full tithe into the storehouse. The word of the Lord says to us, and the Holy Spirit is right now verifying that this is the word of the Lord in your heart. He's at work, guiding, teaching us, leading us in all righteousness. He says that if we will give, he'll open up the windows of heaven for us. And he'll pour down for us a blessing until there is no more need. And so whatever the blessings need to be for us, whatever it, whatever it equates to, that we'll have more than enough. You can't outgive God. That's what that scripture is telling us. Rest assured. Believe in this. Trust me. God says, test me in this. If you are faithful with what I've given you, you will reap a harvest that will be more than enough for you. Test me. So our giving is proportionate to what God has provided. Give according to what he's provided. Proportionate, the tithe, that 10%. And we found in 2 Samuel 24, 24, that giving is to be a sacrifice. Now, David is going to the, the threshing floor. He is going to go and he is going to offer the Lord an offering. He is going to build an altar and, and he is going to worship the Lord for all the Lord has done for him. And so he arrives at the threshing floor and Arana is there and Arana hears what David needs and says to David, King David, what a blessing it is to have you here. Sure enough, the oxen, the grain, the threshing floor, everything you need for your offering to God, I'm going to give to you. Everything will be provided. And, and this is what David said to Arana. No, but I will buy it from you for a price. 
I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So giving is to be a sacrifice. It is to cost us something. Sacrifice. Giving is to be a sacrifice. One way that we demonstrate how much we honor God. One way that we demonstrate how much we trust God. One way that we demonstrate how much we are devoted to God and how much we love God is by sacrificial giving. So the basis is the, the, widow, the, the two mites, the widow's giving of the two mites teaches us it's not about how much we give that is crucial to the Lord, it's how much is left. I mean, if we give and there's no cost, if we give and there's no sacrifice, then how much do we truly honor the Lord? How much do we believe in Him? How much are we trusting Him to be our provider of all the good things? And so David says, I'm not giving offering that doesn't cost me something. And so that's a good question in our giving. The Holy Spirit is working in us, causing us to understand sacrificial giving. It demonstrates how much we honor, love, and trust God. And that's what David teaches us here. And we also learn in Scripture that our giving is to be cheerful. 2 Corinthians 9 says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Holy Spirit works in us to make us cheerful givers. Now, does that mean that the giving of a sourpuss God will not receive? No. It means they're missing out on the blessing. God loves a cheerful giver. And so we are to give. We are to be givers. The Holy Spirit is working us we are to recognize that our giving is to be a priority, that our giving is proportionate. We don't need to be concerned with how much we give, but we need to be concerned with do we give what our responsibility is to give, that giving is to be of sacrifice. Do you experience sacrificial giving? Did the Holy Spirit work in you saying, you need to give more. You need to be more faithful in your giving. You need to sacrifice. This, this demonstrates how much you honor God, and, and you just want God to know how much you honor Him and that you're trusting Him with what you have. And since we, we, uh, if we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully, we give cheerfully. I really think the guy that gives cheerfully recognizes that you are going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap that. I mean, let's face it, you put one tomato seed in the ground, you're going to get one tomato plant, right? And it's going to have so many tomatoes, and each one of those tomatoes, there are going to be so many seeds. But if you plant five tomato seeds, exponentially, mathematically, it grows. It multiplies, right? It grows. If you put in 10 seeds, look what you're going to get. If you put in 20 seeds, look what you're going to get. Same is true with giving in the kingdom of God. It's God's economy. And just simply that scripture tells us we should give cheerfully because we understand we can't outgive God. So Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, to be noticed. Because when you do that, 
then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. You'll have the reward of the people who notice you giving and doing acts of righteousness, but you won't have the reward of your Father. Thus, he says in verse 2, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet. You see, what they would do is this. I, I've got $100 in my pocket, and, and I'm going to the synagogue, and I'm going to give my $100 or my $1,000 or my $10,000, whatever it is, and I'm going to give it, and I'm going to hire some trumpet players. And the trumpet players are going to go along with me, and they are going to play their tune, and it's going to get everybody's attention and they're going to notice me giving my offering. I have hired some trumpet players, some brass players to play. So let's check that out. So y'all come and announce my good offering. All right, that was really good. Y'all come do it again. I like it so much. I want you to do it again. Come on. I like it. Y'all, it's pretty. Come do it again. Blow hard. Blow hard. Be, be less concerned with being on pitch and just being raunchy out there. Get it. Get into it. All right? Thank you. All right. I've had attention. Come here, Mr. Bissett. Come here. So I've blown the trumpets. I've gotten your attention. Look what I'm giving you. I'm meeting your need. A $1 bill. The need is great, my friend. Thank you. I knew not to call on him. He'd wear me out. That's right. <laughs> One dollar bill is all you got for me. All right. So you get the idea to be noticed. Don't blow your trumpet. Proverbs says, don't blow your own trumpet. Let other people blow the trumpet for you. And Jesus here says, don't hire people to come and blow their trumpet before you Look what he says, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. So they would go around, and, 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 and one thing that's really crazy, if you go to Jerusalem today on the Sabbath, on Friday, if you go down there, watch the guys come into the wedding wall. The bigger the hats, beaver hats, felt, beautiful hats, the, the guys with the bigger hats have more money. There's a, there's, and so they, they, those rabbis come, and the more money they have, the more ornate their hats are, the more dressed up they are, the more fancy they are. And, and that was going on in the synagogue, drawing attention to ourselves. We are not to draw attention to ourselves. We are, the Holy Spirit is going to lead us that we don't, we don't have a desire that other people know how much we give or don't give. That's between us and the Lord. And so we don't blow our trumpets. That's what the hypocrites do. 
sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. And then Jesus says, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. They have forfeited, they have forfeited the reward of the Father. Verse 3, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, that's, this is a very simple illustration, a very simple understanding. The right hand and the left hand are close in proximity, right? The right hand and the left hand go through the same computer system. They, they get the same intel, right? The brain operates both the right hand and the left hand. That your giving is to be so secret that the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. It's done in secret. You're not doing it to draw attention to yourself. You're not doing it to show people how rich you are. You're not doing it to show people how holy you are. You're not doing it to show how Christian you are. You're giving in secret because you're seeking the Father's reward. And that's what verse 4 says. The Father's reward. It's okay for us to seek the Father's reward. There is the Father's reward. Jesus says, Give in secret so that your Father who sees in secret will reward you. We know what some of the rewards of the Father are. The crown of righteousness, big deal there for heaven. The, the statement of well done, the peace is the reward of the Father. Uh, there are rewards. There are there are degrees of reward that we receive, and I believe they're both then and now. The reward of well done, the reward of seeing someone's needs be met secretly is a really, really a good thing. To be at peace and know that you bless someone by grace. There was a need in the congregation. There was a need in the community. There was a need at work, need somewhere, and, and you gave secretly to meet that need. That's a wonderful thing. That it, it is a beautiful thing for us to realize that the body believers that assemble in one place, in this place, and they give faithfully and they give to honor God. They give to show how much they love him and, and how faithful they believe God is being to them. And so they're being faithful back to God that the congregation through the spiritual work of the body of Christ meet needs. That's a beautiful thing. I don't know about you, but I believe it's the Father's reward to be able to sit still for a while and just take inventory of all that God is doing. The reward of heaven. The reward of heaven. The reward of heaven is forfeited when we give to be noticed. That's the words of Jesus. The reward of the Father comes when we give without any notice whatsoever. We give in secrecy. So some lessons for our scripture today. First of all, with the right heart and the right spirit, we can seek the Father's reward. We should seek the Father's rewards. We should want to please him in every way. We should, we should understand that we are going to give secretly for the Father's reward and we are going to actively seek that. We are going to be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. I know for years we've always heard, have you ever heard that? That that old boy there is so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. We are to be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. 
They've got that wrong. We are to seek the Father's reward. Another lesson that we can get from this scripture today is it really is better to give than receive. It really is better to give than receive. There's some reasons for that. One reason is if you're the giver and not the receiver, you recognize that God has provided for you. You can rejoice in that. You can rejoice in his provision. You can rejoice in the lessons you have learned to manage to be good stewards of the money, good stewards of the gift, good stewards of the experience that you've had. And, and you're able to give and meet a need, and, and that's a reward in itself. And, and you recognize it really is better to give than receive. And so we all need to be givers because that's a blessing. So another lesson we can learn from this today is God cannot be outgiven. You can't outgive God. That's what we need to understand about God's economy. You just can't outgive him. He has enough. I don't know where his bank of rewards are. I don't know where his bank of resources are, but it's deep and it's wide and it's tall. And there is enough to meet all the needs. And so we need to recognize that God can't be outgiven. And our Father's reward will always be better than what other people can give. Our Father's reward will always be real good. I think that's the best way to understand that for me. Seek the Father's reward. We were gone for a couple of weeks. We, we're glad to be home, by the way. And I, I must admit, Texas is every bit as pretty as Hawaii. It really is. Love Texas. We're going back home. However, we got to stay in Beach Cottage. My son was able to put us down for a, a beach cottage that the people use there from time to time if visiting Marines come in. And we got the one that's rated for captains and majors. I told Daniel when we're leaving there, next time I want the general's house. Because if the captain and major's house is this good, I can't imagine the general's house. We couldn't even see the general's house from where we were. That's how good it was. But it was a little two-bedroom, you know, one bath, little cabin. Nothing to it, nothing fancy about it. However, it was isolated. The little small beach that was there was only for us. It had a balcony that just, you walk out these double doors, and there's that balcony, and there's growth on both sides of the property. And so all we saw was that beautiful Kanoe Bay. That's right there. And we were to the, almost outside of Kanoe Bay. So we were right where the waves were crashing over. We sat there in the morning, the afternoon, the evening. We sat there and watched whales jump about 500 yards from us. That's cool. Never, the only whale I've seen jump is on that TV commercial. And it looks just like that. Humpback whales out there just jumping, just going. And every day went snorkeling out there. Had my own little beach. I went out there. I, I snorkeled with, with turtles all over. One turtle got to know me pretty good. He walked up high five, bro, what's going on? And we'd go for it. And 15, 20 turtles at one time I saw. Schools of fish. All colors. Amazing. 
just how many fish, the different kinds of fish there are. Now, no, no keepers. The keepers are out deeper, but I think there's they got some predators. You want to leave them be. But the but just little aquarium type fish, all colors, all going around. And and I was out there swimming around and saw a rock move. And and I went, that's weird. That rock moved right there. And I got looking closer. It was an octopus. That somehow or another, I don't know if it like a chameleon. I don't know if it changes its colors, but it looked just like that rock to protect itself. And I, I mean, for 30 minutes, me and the octopus were just friends. I, I was amazed at how that creature operates. Reaches out there, grabs a little bit, pulls itself in. Then it swims and just pushes that round head through the water. Beautiful. And I went, man, this, this, is, this is so cool. And so I got through that day when I spent time with the turtles and the octopus and got out of the water and went up and sat down and just went, Man, how great is heaven? I mean, I'm seeing this. I'm, I'm, I'm the, 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 the rainbow when it rains out there in the ocean, the whales, the turtles, the fish, the beautiful, the waves crashing, that beautiful, clear, sometimes bluish tint water, sometimes greenish tint water, how beautiful that is. I went, and heaven blows this away. Heaven blows this away. Man, seek the Father's reward. I, I really can't articulate in the English language, the English language that I've got, how great the reward of the Father is. But in comparing heaven to, the, to one of the prettiest places there are on earth, to compare them and go, this is beautiful. This is really cool. This is almost good as a mesquite tree in the sunset in West Texas. Almost as good. Almost. How great is heaven? How great is the Father's reward? Give in secret. Don't forfeit the reward of the Father. That's what Jesus said to us. Lord, we're grateful for your love and your mercy. We're grateful, Father, for all you do for us. Lord, we're thankful that you provide for us. We're thankful that your Holy Spirit guides us, teaches us, shows us what we need to know. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward for our tithes and offering time.